0: Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Oh, what a Goal! Sensational!
1: I swear you'll
0: never see anything like this ever
2: again! The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen?
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff. And as always, I am joined by my friends and co-hosts, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And it was another great weekend of Premier League action, especially that Monday night football game between Manchester United and Liverpool, which went my way. But we're a podcast that likes to look ahead, not look back. Well, guess what? We got another big Manchester United match to look ahead to. And it's the first one this weekend, 730 in the morning on Saturday. They're traveling to the South Coast to take on Southampton. Saints are plus 340 at home. United minus 130 on the road. Can't help but laugh. And the draw is plus 310. I mean, the prices on this United team is just hilarious. They won one game. They won one game at home. And now we're looking at them odds on uh, on the road. Anthony, I'll let you start because I think we know where this conversation's going. So you kick it off.
2: Yeah, congratulations on your victory lap. I think a well-deserved one. You know, no, when nobody wants to bet Manchester United, there was... Uh, our our host Michael Leboff betting them and cashing. had nothing to do with the fact that they were playing Liverpool, right, Michael? Had no, to do
1: no absolutely not. That made, It did because of the number, but th- that, <laughs> that was coming. Like it was th- at some point they were going to be good. It wasn't like they were not going to win a game. And it just, that, like I said, it was a perfectly timed match. And I think that this one is a perfect, almost like a banana skin for them to, to step on because they're playing a team that they're tricky. They shoot themselves in the foot themselves, but like, you can't make this team odds on right now. They're not on the road. They don't deserve that trust.
2: Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that the market moved quite a bit here. Uh, United was looking at like minus 105, minus 110. They win one match where they put in a half decent performance. And yes, they were good, but that was a very different kind of match. And I actually thought it had more to do with Liverpool being bad than it did with United being good. I think Liverpool's midfield struggled to deal with the pressing from the front. They didn't create enough separation from United's midfielders. They didn't they didn't create any big scoring chances. I thought Firmino and Milner especially looked pretty well washed at this point. And I think that you know the spine of this Liverpool team, which has been so solid, really wasn't. And I think you know United to their credit took advantage. They can replicate a similar type performance against Southampton, but they are going to have more of the ball. So I think that kind of changes it naturally. I also like that United got rid of the short passing kicking from De Gea. I and mean, it was so bad against Brentford, trying to play out from the back against Brighton. They said, screw it, we're going long. Will they try to go short again against a weaker team in Southampton? That'll be really interesting to look at. From a betting perspective, I would have passed here. But again, the number moving that far means that I will be hopping in on Southampton plus a half at home. United has taken money in the last two matches. Of course, they got steamed late against Brentford Pretty faulty <laughs> there, and they got steamed late against Liverpool, and that you know, Liverpool got as low as 145 on the money line. So, back to back weeks where somebody in, in some market respect is coming in for Manchester United late, we may see that again. We saw this last year in the same exact fixture. United had a huge win; they ended up getting steamed heavily, and then they settled for a 1-1 draw on the road at Southampton. They were minus 170 in that game; they're only minus 130 here. Uh, of course, United's much worse at this point, but overall. I would be playing the Saints. I'm going to wait a little bit closer to game time for this one. I am interested to see if Ten Hag does make any changes. I don't think he should or will to the lineup. But uh, ultimately, you look at some of the numbers. United still got outshot 14-6 to in penalty box shots. Their pass per defensive action was still 15 in the last match. And they only forced three high turnovers. So it's not like United was destroying Liverpool. It was more so that the midfield kind of was just broken for Liverpool.
1: Yeah, and it's not just the market moving on United for this match, but let's look at their last road match, which was, as you said, against Brentford. Brentford was plus 290, 300 maybe uh, by the time the game kicked off. Southampton's worse than Brentford, but 50 cents... Versus, I just can't believe it and it's so predictable at the same time as it is surprising because like the the simple pattern that I was following with this United team was that they're going to lose against Brighton they're going to lose against Brentford we're going to catch a huge number against Liverpool they're going to win against Liverpool and then we're going to be able to fade them again against Southampton it shouldn't really go like that the market is, is smarter than just boiling it down to that but I guess with with a team like United maybe it isn't and uh, yeah, United is is the likely winner here. The odds tell you that, but that you're getting such a good number to go against a team that has had 60 good, impressive minutes of soccer, maybe 70 because you can count to 10 minutes against Brighton where they started to play uh, in the second half. But that's it. So uh, yeah, Saints uh, plus 340, and like Anthony says, like you probably can wait it out a little bit, get a better number.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, it's this has to be Southampton. I don't. So to Anthony's point, like yes, I thought that United was for large stretches, not really that good. They just capitalized on a few mistakes on Liverpool's high line, got in behind, and they converted those chances. And, you know, good good on them. Rashford put one away. Sancho put one away. And, you know, that's something that United hasn't really had for a long time. But this line has gotten too high. I thought, I, I thought minus 105 was somewhat of a fair price to price United at in terms of that. But the market has told you that, well, now people are betting on United after that performance. What concerned me about United in that performance is even though Liverpool's... Midfield was without Thiago and they didn't start Fabinho for some reason. I thought Liverpool pressed them really well. They had a 40% pressure success rate. They had a pass per defensive action of 7.2 and they forced eight high turnovers. Southampton, as we know, plays a very frenetic pressing style. And through their first three matches, they have a little bit over a 37% pressure success rate, which is actually the second best mark in the Premier League. And they've also forced the fourth most high turnovers. So If United succumbs to that kind of pressure that we saw them, you know, against really Brighton, Brentford, and Liverpool, and not really play well through it, well, then Southampton, I believe, is going to have some chances going in on United's net. And to your point about United, Michael, being bad away from home, this has been going on for a long time. They have not won away from Old Trafford since February 20th against Leeds. That's eight matches. In those eight matches, they scored two goals. It was off of five expected, but still, that's really really bad for a club like manchester united and overall last year they were minus 7.4 expected goal differential away from home and also united last season i talked about it a couple times but they conceded the 13th most big scoring chances they've already conceded five in three matches so far this season say what you will about southampton's offense but they were sixth in big scoring chances created no matter how much they gave up on defense so I have United projected at plus 130. I think it's crazy that the market has overreacted to them beating Liverpool, even though they didn't control possession. They didn't play through pressure well and just capitalized on a few mistakes. So for me, have to play Southampton plus half a goal. I've already played it at plus 110. I'm kind of just jumping in on it now because I kind of saw the rest of the market and I, you know, United could get steamed depending on the lineup. Casemiro will probably play on Saturday, which once he's in the lineup, maybe you'll get to catch the United steam, but you have to play Southampton here. It's just, it's too good of a price.
1: Yeah, the numbers are already good enough. Uh, All right, let's go to another Manchester team. This one is at home this weekend, though. Manchester City, they're minus 600 against our team, the team of the podcast. Crystal Palace, 16 to 1 on the money line. The draws 650, just like the last conversation. Pretty sure I know how this one is going to go. But let's just, you know, throw some more laurels in the direction of Patrick Vieira and Crystal Palace here. This is how they're opening the season. Home against Arsenal. Away to Liverpool, home against Aston Villa, and now away against City, and in those first three games, five point five expectables for four expectables against. That's really impressive, and I know that Liverpool had to play with ten men for a portion of that match, Uh, but still, like this is this team has just picked up where it left off last year, where it was one of the best defensive sides in the Premier League, and against a City team that will likely storm them, like the odds are telling you that they're still worth a bet 16 to one for me. This is the, the fixture last year that palace upset city as a 20 to one underdog uh, and city actually went, 0-1 and one win draw loss against palace last season. So they, they were the one of the only teams. I think Tottenham was the only other one that took four points from city last year. And so who knows, maybe this team just matches up well. And I think that they do, and they're just really tricky to unlock. So when you're getting 16 to one on what may be the seventh, eighth best team of the premier league, no matter who the opponent is, uh, I'm going to take it. So I'll be riding with my boys from Crystal Palace on the money line, 16 to one BJ. What about you?
0: We've seen now Patrick Vieira, 14 matches against the big six in those 14 matches. Crystal Palace is 14.7 expected goals for 19.2 expected goals against. So minus 4.5 expected goal differential. I don't think people understand how impressive that is for a mid table club like Crystal Palace to pull off over that long of a stretch. And they've shown the match against Liverpool is a perfect example that they can sit in defensively and just counter these big six sides. And then the match against Villa is another perfect example where they can control possession and be the aggressors and play a style that shows that they should be the favorites. So not to mention, they beat City 2-0 at the at Etihad the last year. Now there was a red card at the 45, 45th minute, but still... Crystal Palace put in that good of a performance, and then they drew them 0-0 at Selhurst Park. And like we've already mentioned many times, this is a top five defense in pretty much every single category. And last season, what well, the biggest thing against Manchester City and how you have to beat them is you have to prevent them from creating any type of big scoring chance. Well, Crystal Palace was 0.68, big scoring chances allowed all last season. And I mean, the Newcastle-Manchester City match is interesting. It's I think it's a perfect example of maybe not overreacting to one type of match that just gets totally chaotic. I mean, in my opinion, I don't think Newcastle would have played that open and that aggressive if City didn't score in the sixth minute. So you'll likely see Crystal Palace employ a similar strategy that they did against Liverpool. City, like we've already talked about many times, they're slow, they're pragmatic, and which they play a lot slower style than Liverpool. So for me, I'm going to go under three and a half goals at minus 120. I only have about 2.6 projected for this match and also going to go... Crystal Palace, plus two at even money. I only have City spread at minus 1.65. It's just another example of City getting overvalued against a mid-table club that is not really a mid-table club. It's a club that more, plays more like the seventh best team in the Premier League. So Crystal Palace, plus two and under three not goals for me.
1: Palace right now, 35-1 to one for top four, 10-1 to for top six still out there. I think both of those are worth a shot. Obviously, the, the top four one might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think from what we saw last season, Vieira has shown that this team can play out an entire 38 game marathon and keep this level. Like this is a really, really good team. I don't know how many times we've had to say it, but it's just, and part of it is, is the schedule, right? Like they're going up against Arsenal, Liverpool and city three out of the first four games. So people are are not going to really pay attention to crystal palace on, in those matchups. But when they are starting to take on the, you know, the, the, the West Ham's and, and Brighton's of the world. I mean, look out. This team could string together some some results and, and charge up the table. Anthony, three for three here on the Eagles.
2: Yep. This will be four straight matches that I bet on Palace, and I continue to think they're undervalued in the market. They've had a good start to the season. But again, you know, if I thought Palace plus two at Liverpool was too high and it proved to be much too high – You can bet I'm going to be on Palace plus two and a quarter now at Manchester City. I think there is something to the fact that Holland gets more space on the road. And I think that teams will come out and play maybe a little bit more when City is on the road. And that will leave space in behind for Holland to kind of work his magic and and get in. Whereas I think at the Etihad, and we saw this in the Bournemouth match, teams are going to sit so Deep and it's not that Holland can't create anyway. I mean he's a he's an excellent scorer, but his ultimate strength, his best attribute, is his pace, is his strength through brushing off defenders. And you just don't get that many opportunities to do that in a match like this. I will be interested to see if Palace employs the Newcastle method, though they could, if they wanted to take some chances. You know, keep Zaha up on one side, keep maybe Eze up on the other side. Man, it's a little dangerous, but if city really wants to play with these tucked in fullbacks where Kyle Walker and Cancelo are basically midfielders, there's going to be a ton of space in behind pep did the same thing last year and Spurs exploited it the first match of the season and uh, won the match. And then pep kind of slowly switched tune. I think the last game will be a wake up call. And I think pep will kind of take fewer chances. And that also leads towards BJ's under as well. So I think uh, this is going to be a tight game. I I see it as a two-one kind of win for City. I do expect the Citizens to win, but again, Palace has been feisty as an underdog, and I'm going to continue to back them.
1: Yeah, and 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 their makeup is is perfect for a counter-attacking side, especially one that needs to do it quickly with with Eze in the midfield, Uh, and then Ayu Zaha as the guys he's he's looking to link up with. It's it's just working really well for them right now. So Palace on them again. Leicester City uh, they're traveling to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea. As you can imagine, Chelsea is a big favorite, minus 265, Leicester 7-1. to The draw here, 4-1. to This is another 10 a.m. kickoff. There's a lot to unpack with Leicester, which is mostly transfer and off-field related. Uh, Wesley Fofana is training with the U23s. He's demanding, I guess, maybe demanding is too, too hard a word, but he's he's requested to let the transfer to Chelsea, the team they're playing, go through. Yuri uh, Tielemans, he can go to a number of different places by the end of the window, by the who knows if he'll play because they won't want to risk the injury with the window shutting in a week. And Leicester's just been really terrible so far the season. 1.5 expected goals so far uh, across three matches. And it's not like they've played a, a murderer's row. I know Arsenal is solid, but still 1.5 for a team that came into the season. Price is, is, a, is a mid-table, a solid mid-table team, eighth or ninth. Uh, and the Premier League is bad. We talked about how things might just be getting stale for Brendan Rodgers, and it does feel a little bit like he's a lame duck. This just has the feel of a team that is just waiting for the shoe to drop. And once that happens, maybe they'll have a little bit of like a dead cat or new manager bounce. But until then, I think it's it's fade or or nothing. And you know, Chelsea, this could be a get right spot after getting pasted by Leeds last week, minus one and a half plus one oh five. Yeah, but minus two and a half at nearly three to one, this seems interesting because it, it does seem like this this match can go off the rails pretty quickly in Chelsea's favor, even though they're a team that does prefer to strangle out results rather than blow teams away. They still do have that potential. So that's where I'd be looking if, if I were to play it right now. Uh, I'm not too keen on it. We'll wait to see what the Chelsea transfer business is like as well. BJ, anything for you here between the Foxes and the Blues?
0: Yeah, I'm passing. So I think Chelsea is going to be kind of a difficult team to crack this season. So yes, they deserve to lose to Leeds on Sunday, but I don't think they were as bad offensively as you know the final stats made it out to be. They still had 34 touches in Leeds penalty area, 24 shot creating actions, 1.25 expected threat, and 16 box entries. So it wasn't a bad offensive performance. They just couldn't turn any of the possession they had in the final third into any chances of value. Like you already mentioned, Lester, it, it's to you hit the nail on that is a lame duck type feel for Lester right now. And I don't really know what to make of it. You know, if if Tielemans and Fafano were both playing with Chelsea, having Kovacic and Conte still out where they're very thin in the midfield, where they had to play Conor Gallagher in a central midfielder role, which is just not his role. I know people were clowning on him because he had a bad performance in the middle of the park, but that's just not his, his role. He's better in the type of Mason Mount center attacking midfielder role that we saw him at Crystal Palace last season. He just, he's not better than Mason Mounts and he was Chelsea desperately needed a midfielder to pair alongside Jorginho. So for me, I'm passing on this one. I have it pretty much close to what the market is saying. I mean, I showed some value on both teams to score. No, but I have no interest in playing that at all with Kubali being out Fafana being out Lester. They're just bad defensively. We've said it so many times with, especially with Alpha Fauna. Now they're just, they're a bottom half of the premier league type club. And I don't really know what to make of them, but what's funny is I just looked at the schedule, Michael. They're hosting Manchester United next week. Yeah, I know. So this will be very telling, and that's going to be one, of, maybe one of the more hilarious matches of the season. Or midweek, sorry, that'll be midweek.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's Wednesday, right? Um, yeah. It, it, United has Arsenal next weekend, too.
1: I think it's yeah. what uh, Leicester is kind of like the anti, right now in, in their current state, are kind of like the anti-Palace, Brighton, Brentford, where you can't really quantify it, I mean, the stats will look better, but when you could, you could tell when a team is a like galvanized and on the same page and everyone's pulling in the same direction um, just how much of a difference it makes. I mean, look at the United from the Liverpool match compared to the first two matches. Right. So uh, this lesser team, like it's, it's just really hard to get invested on a team that like, like it's one thing to get invested on a Bournemouth team where maybe they're just not good, but they are, everyone at least is on the same page. Like with this, at least team, they try. Yeah, exactly. With this team, you just don't know. And and that's really hard to get behind. Uh, so if Chelsea wins i think it could be a, like a walkover. Uh, Anthony anything really quick on this one before we move on? Yeah, can we play
2: trivia? Sure. Yeah. How many shots has Jamie Vardy attempted this season? He's played almost every minute, three matches. Four. Two. The answer is 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like we have to have that conversation, right? Like he's he's Why, really so old. The play
0: Pats and Doc a conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean that is, that is a conversation. I think that's probably an answer to the question: Why has Lester created 1.5 expected goals in three matches? I mean, one shot. I think we are dangerously close to the end here. I I, want, I don't want to overreact, of course. Maybe three or four more matches, but if I'm Brendan Rodgers, how am I not overreacting? I mean, we talked about this on the pregame or the preseason pod. We said ten to one that first manager fired. I think if we're looking at live odds, who's more likely to, I mean, he's clearly the clear favorite, you know, David Moyes is not going anywhere. So I think it's definitely him. Uh, as far as this match goes, I would lean toward the under again. I still haven't bet a Lester under. I keep talking about them. And the day is coming. I mean, the ball progression numbers, even dating back to last year, and this is what's really scary about Lester. They were 13th in box entries and 19th in crosses last year into the penalty area yet seventh in non-penalty XG. And I think a lot of that was they have good attacking players like Vardy and and DACA when they played. But if Vardy has lost a step, now you're just left with a bad attack, which is what we've seen through three weeks. And we saw this last year too early in the season and they ended up being better. And you're left with a bad defense who still can't solve defensively its woes. And the goalie has been really bad. Minus 3.1 post-shot expected. I understand it's a small sample, but given that it's the backup to Schmeichel now and it's you know, Danny Ward, he just dropped the ball on the last match. So I'm concerned, very concerned. In yep. this match, I'm still concerned with what BJ said too, with Chelsea, all that final third possession, all those box entries, where are the shots? I think they're, they're short, and I don't think Yang's the answer, but we'll see what Chelsea ends up Maybe doing. Anthony next.
0: Gordon is the answer. Yeah. He's yeah, not. We'll get, I mean, we'll get, we'll get to that in a he's, he's
2: damn near a fullback, so um, <laughs> that'll, whoa. that'll be interesting. I, I mean, look at his numbers. He just runs fast. I don't know, runs with the ball. Like he doesn't get shots. Doesn't. Oh, he had like three shots last game. Mm. We'll see. I mean, that's just. A, I mean, always the, think... the wheel. That we'll we'll see with Chelsea I, again. The midfield too. Like Conte and Kovacic are out. We're we're left with a bad midfield too. They can't really dominate matches to the extent they want to. So uh, this no, is no Kubali and they're, pass, thin,
0: and they're thin at the back too. So. Right.
2: Easiest pass on the board. Well, but I, I mean, I think Chelsea's kind of still in turmoil.
1: Let's move on to Liverpool and Bournemouth quickly because I don't think this one is going to attract much betting attention from us. The Reds minus one thousand at home. Bournemouth twenty to one. Remember they were thirty five to one uh, away to Man City. The draw here is nine to one. I mean, what a brutal schedule to start for Bournemouth. Trips the city and Liverpool within your first four games. They did beat Aston Villa and Arsenal. <laughs> Yeah, and and then Arsenal too, right? So this does just seem like a perfect schedule, get right spot for Liverpool. I don't, I don't know what excuse Jurgen Klopp can come up with at the end of this one if they don't paste Bournemouth, but I'm sure he'll find one. He's ran um, out
0: of excuses, Michael. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, he
0: just he just said we were better. Just believe me. He's, he's, he's got, <laughs> that guy's got issues. No
2: big scoring uh, chances against United. Uh Anthony, oh, I'll, I'll go with you
1: because since, since you're the big clock and, and Liverpool guy on the podcast, just to kind of give us your thoughts here quickly on a match that I, I, I don't see any interest in uh, from a betting standpoint.
2: Yeah, I've got nothing here. I mean, Bournemouth looked dreadful. They've been absolutely terrible. And there will be a buy low time on this team. Uh, and I think it's coming, but it's not going to be against one of these three or four or five top teams in the league. So you know, I'm going to end up passing here. I agree with the point that this is a Liverpool get right spot, but I mean, Liverpool, you know, I, I said last week, I wasn't concerned about Liverpool. I'm still not that concerned about Liverpool. If nobody gets healthy, that's a problem. But I just think that you put Darwin Nunez and Fabinho back in the team and they're probably a lot better. And we probably don't have to do all this hand wringing about one loss and one draw. So, you know, or two draws. So I think it's a slow start. It happens. We talked about this last week too, like, Every big six team is going to go through a spell where weird things go against them. You still look at the XG difference over the first three matches. They're like plus 0.7. Their actual XG is like minus points. Their actual goal difference is like minus 0.6 now. So per 90. So I'm not that worried. Uh, this one's interesting,
1: though. Uh, Brighton odds on minus 115, hosting Leeds 3 to 1. The draw here plus 270. Um, full marks to Leeds United and Jesse Marsh for the way they played against Chelsea. I don't know if Brighton warrants like we, we talk about Brighton and, and teams of their ilk like not being a great favorite but against Leeds it, it, it's a little different because Leeds isn't your typical kind of sit back underdog right like they're they're gonna press Brighton could play through the press so this this matchup does kind of keep me give me some pause about betting Leeds but I'm not laying it with Brighton either so uh, likely a pass if anything I'll take a stab on Leeds BJ you're smiling you got mm-hmm. your Brighton kid
0: on Oh, I love Brighton in this match, Michael. Oh my goodness. Uh, so they look, I mean, probably just, they look just as impressive as ever. I mean, they just dominated West Ham last week and they're now 4.2 expected goals for 2.6 against through their first three matches. And listen, I understand Jesse March is American. I understand that he has some Americans on the team and that was fun on Sunday. You know, American soccer is back. We're going to win the world cup, right? Well, If we go from when Jesse Marsh was hired at Leeds, if we take their performance compared to Bright's performance. Leeds, since Marsh has been in charge up until today.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place for a
2: happy price. Go to your happy price, price
0: line. 1.3 XG4 per 90, 1.48 against, 20.5 expected points. Brighton over that exact same time frame, and they've played six big six sides in this run-up too. 1.45 expected goals for, 1.14 expected goals against, per 90 minutes, 25 expected points. So they've basically been about half a goal per 90 better than Leeds. And then you throw in a home field advantage. I think this line's a little too low. This is also a bad matchup for Leeds pretty much every time they face Brighton because Leeds is terrible at playing through pressure. First three matches, their bottom three in offensive pass per defensive action. Under Marsh last season, they were bottom half in the Premier League in that category as well. We've talked about many times Brighton, top six or seven pressing team in the Premier League. They're also a top five team at playing through pressure. So they'll be able to deal with Leeds, frenetic pressing and Leeds. I mean, they they haven't been good defensively under Marsh. I mean, I, I mentioned it, but last season they were one point six big scoring chances per match through the first three matches per Opta. Leeds has allowed the second most expected goals from open play. Do you want to know who's allowed the fewest expected goals from open play? Brighton at one point five. And this is the last thing I'll say about Brighton. Yes. We say they don't profile well as a favorite because essentially what they do all the time is they just dominate these type of matches similar to the Newcastle match and they end up drawing 0-0. Well, over last season, 10 matches at home against the bottom half of the table, 14.6 expected goals for, 7.9 expected goals against. I have Brighton projected at minus 133. So if you can get them at minus 115 or better, I love the Seagulls.
1: Yeah, and Anthony, uh, you've been playing the the Leeds trumpet since they hired Jesse Marsh and played it before that Chelsea match Music's and, gonna stop Michael Yeah but it seems like you're going to put that trumpet down for a little bit and pick up
2: your your Brighton clarinet I mean look betting on soccer would be easy if i just like picked my five favorite teams in the league and then decided to bet them every week and like we do that as a podcast because we think there are certain teams that are consistently undervalued uh, and i think Leeds is generally on that position but i think this is a good sell spot for them i agree with bj pretty much everything he said the matchup is not great for Leeds the emotion of, of, of the biggest win of the Marsh era and all, you know, we talked about the Americans, Jack Harrison, the pseudo American, all these people who are, are, you know, proclaiming leads as these great champions and, and you know, they won the league. Right. But, and they have seven points. I still think they're a mid table at best team who's you know 13th or 14th. I don't, my opinion on them has not changed because of one game. It hasn't changed because of three games. I was high on them coming in and now I think the market is too, and I'm going to sell. So I, I like Brighton as well. I, I just think that BJ makes a good point, right? Like we are kind of snake bitten because we've lost so much money betting Brighton as favorites when they've dominated the matches and never finished their chances. Neil Malpe has gone, so like maybe uh, the XG
0: King, he's gone.
2: The XG the XG underperformance king is gone, yeah. and now maybe Brighton with Welbeck will finish better. We'll see.
0: Let's be honest. I mean, the, for, from a managerial standpoint, Graham Potter is far, far and away a better manager than Jesse Marsh at this point. So know, right, let's 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 calm down with <laughs> oh, the come on. Uh, let's calm I mean, down we, with the, the You get handed RB Leipzig and you can't even make it through half a season, get out of here.
2: Those play those players, they were calling him wrong. <laughs> oh, it was Reagan. the players' fault. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Leipzig winless in, in the Bundesliga this year.
1: All right, let's uh let's go on to what do you think? brentford even money favorite uh the game of the year line is is brentford even money at home everton plus 275 on the road the draws plus 250 i actually think this matchup could suit everton uh because they played such a pragmatic style on the road and against better teams which brentford is uh and that's when they've been probably at their best this season when there's no pressure on them to score because they can't do it like even against fleetwood town Uh, couldn't score more than a goal that was gifted to them on on a turnover right outside the box. As we talked about a little bit earlier, some transfer business that still needs sorting out as, as Delhi looks on his way to play in the Turkish super league with Besiktas reuniting with former Everton teammate, Cenk Tosun. Hey, they could actually use him right now because he could score at least. Come to Besiktas. Uh, And uh, Anthony Um, Gordon uh, has handed in a transfer request reportedly to, to go to Chelsea for 60 million pounds. Huge loss there. I would. Well, it does change the makeup of the team. I, I mean, he doesn't, he's, he hasn't been productive yet. He's 21, but he does, he is speaks volumes mm-hmm. of, of where the team is. He has looked their most dangerous player going forward for this season. So without Richarlison and then without Gordon, where the goals coming from. So that is the concern here. Uh, that said, I think that they, they're taking on a team that I think that they'll be able to kind of hang with in, in Brentford right, and, and play that deep line. Frank Lampard turning into Sean Deitch, uh, throwing as many men behind the ball as he can. Uh, so I I would like to bet Everton in the spot, not just with my heart, but also with my head. But I I'm, we got to just see where everyone ends up, what team people are going to be playing for by the time this match starts. BJ, you're going the other way.
0: Yeah. Everton playing deep is the ghost of uh, Rafa Benitez comeback uh, for Everton. I don't know. I think this is a good matchup for Brentford. I mean, we've talked about it many times, they play so much better at the Brentford community stadium than on the road. Michael, Everton last year did have a plus 0.5 expected goal differential at Goodison Park. They were actually pretty good there. Problem is they were just horrible away from home. They were minus 12 expected goal differential. And now considering they'll still be without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Yuri Mina, Decore, Andres Townsend, and now potentially Anthony Gordon, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like where are the goals coming from? Where are the shots coming from? Where is any type of threat on Brentford Nets? going to come against a beast team that was a top 10 defensive team in the premier league last year. For me, this match is all about price points. I have Brentford projected at minus one Oh seven. So I'm pretty close to the market. I don't think I'll get there, but if I can get Brentford at plus plus I'll play them because that'll give me three and a half percent value. And that's usually my threshold of where I like to bet soccer matches or if Anthony Gordon's not playing, I'll just play Brentford, anything plus money. uh, Because I do think it's a pretty good matchup for him.
1: You don't think Solomon Rondon? The goals aren't coming from Listen, Solomon Listen, I love Rondon. Solomon
0: Rondon. His 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 era at West Brom was beautiful, but I mean, who's going to give him the ball? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, <laughs> like you know, like that, I this this is the thing like, we 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 joke about strikers like Solomon Rondon and everything like that, but it's like he doesn't he doesn't get shots. Like nobody no. gives him the ball, like because they're constantly just sitting deep. Everton two goals
1: this season. One scored by former Everton player who was playing for Aston Villa at the time, mm-hmm. Lucas Dean. Uh, and then the second goal was a uh, Jordan Pickford assist. So that just tells you how hard it's been on them to get anything going offensively. And, and, and Connor I know Gallagher might be coming though. Yeah. Connor Gallagher. I mean, or they, they, they need Broja. That's the guy. But like I said, I think like sitting back and just being completely negative is, is almost the right move in the spot because put the onus on Brentford to, to create and pick you apart. And, Hope that you can stay in the game. Of course, uh, that could be what you wish for. I know, of course. uh, But how pathetic is that? that That's what I'm I'm hoping to wake (laughs) up on Saturday morning, get a cup of coffee and watch Everton park the bus against a team that was in the championship two years ago. That's where we're at. Uh, Anthony, anything on this real quick? And then we'll move on to the 1230
2: game. No, I think Brentford's a little bit expensive. Uh, I think Everton is a little bit cheap. But again, like you mentioned, I'm not going to bet this at the current number. (laughs)
1: 12 30 p.m. kickoff bj your arsenal gunners taking on fulham minus 320 the runaway league champions are against fulham the race Uh, is over the fulham coming back plus 750 i didn't Um, hear that the draws plus 475 uh that two teams that have gotten off to, to hot starts i think a lot of credit is due to both managers uh and a lot of credit is due to Marco Silva and Fulham for the way that they've kind of managed a tricky start to the season, Liverpool and Arsenal. Now they played well enough, I guess, against Wolves, but still, this is won that match. Yeah, they should have won. And this is still a team that, I mean, them being competent this early in the season is, is really giving me odds about Everton's chances. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. I think it's Fulham here. If you don't want to play the money line, I know you guys will will make an argument for uh, backing them to, to keep it close, but I think it's worth it. I mean, you're, the prices on on Arsenal, especially if they they take care of business in this one, are just they're going to get out of hand. They already are out of hand, but if it keeps going like this, they could be what Liverpool was last year—a team that is just consistently overvalued but um, consistently wins and makes us look like fools. Anthony, cottagers.
2: Yeah, I'll take the cottagers. You know, I said this after the loss that Palace had on opening day. I said, you know, there will be a time to fade Arsenal, who I think is overvalued a little bit, uh, but the time was not Leicester, and the time for me was not. Bournemouth, two teams that I'm not particularly a believer in. Uh, but I will hop in here with Fulham, who I make about a goal underdog on the road. Uh, it's really all about the Fulham midfield. As much as anything else, it's Paulina and Pereira, especially Cordova reed I really love what they have in their balance and their ball winning and their ball progression. Pereira getting into the box, uh, getting forward a little bit. Mitrovic finally getting a chance i mean people have talked in the past and and brett pun one of our soccer writers made this good point you know he didn't get much of a chance in the prem two years ago when fulham came up under parker and now he's getting a chance and the early returns are really impressive i mean we talked about the brentford defense and how effective it was last season and even the first match of the first two matches of this season against leicester and united Fulham ripped them apart almost three expected goals, over three expected goals on some models. So I was very impressed with Fulham. You know, my biggest question was actually not their defense, but their attack. Could their attack translate? Uh, and I said, that, you know, they might be a sneaky under team early in the season. <laughs> well, their defense has coped well. I still have some questions about the center backs, but their attack has looked really lively. And so I think this is going to be a, Difficult, more difficult game than Arsenal got in its last two, with more capable defensive side who also offers a threat on the counter. So at plus one and a half, I like the number. I like the team I'm betting on, and I think Arsenal is overvalued. It's a it's a good combination for me to back the Cottagers.
1: You'll hear on every soccer pass. Oh, it's still early. It's still early doors. And what what can we kind of surmise from just three games for Arsenal? I think it's more of the same that like they're going to pummel teams that are better or are, are worse than them, which makes me a little bit nervous uh, about the spot. But still, like, they've had such a cake walk start to a season. Like, I know we all love Crystal Palace, but Arsenal are better than Crystal Palace. And, and the, you know, going to Selhurst Park is tough. But in that match, like, how much better were Arsenal than Crystal Palace? I wouldn't say they were 2 nothing better than them and, and then no. they get after that they get Leicester and Bournemouth and I mean it's you're often running nine points out of nine and everybody's talking about they're they're 10 to one to win the title like they went from a huge mm-hmm. huge price there and, and like Anthony I think like you said perhaps your best point in there was they're going to get a, a test here like and they did well in their first one against Crystal Palace but that's opening match of the season Palace had that really rocky weird preseason and Palace probably deserved a better fate in that match so I mean, Fulham is, is not a great Premier League team, but the fact that there there is like a step up from what Arsenal has been dealing with the past two weeks here, I think is interesting and gives me a little bit more confidence about backing Fulham here. BJ, I feel bad for you because you can't keep, you know, you can't bet your favorite team like me. Like I can bet Everton every week because you're getting a great price on them, but uh, you still have some, something you want to share for this Saturday, 1230 PM kickoff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've said it many weeks, and it still reigns true. To this is that Arsenal is overvalued in this spot. I mean, I have their spread at minus one point one two, so close on Everton, but plus one and a half. But probably won't won't end up playing it. Arsenal is obviously coming out of the gates hot, but I've been most impressed with their defense through three match weeks. One point eight xG allowed. That's the best in the Premier League. Second fewest shots, twenty two. Fewest big scoring chances, one, and the fewest shot creating actions, thirty two. You see adding William Saliba, who might just be the best defender in the Premier League, what he does to a a team that only allowed 1.1 XG per 90 over the second half of last season. Now, they didn't play the three best offenses. I get that. But Fulham is not an offense that I think is going to threaten Arsenal any more than Crystal Palace or even Leicester would. I mean, Fulham, they've had two penalties – and they've created 2.5 expected goals from open play in three matches, which is 14th in the premier league. So really not that good, but to ring Anthony's points about Fulham defensively, you know, 1.9 XG allowed against Liverpool and say what it is. It's probably, you know, what they probably should allow against a team like Liverpool held wolves to 0.7 XG on the road, despite wolves having 60% possession. And then they give up 1.5 to Brentford, which, you know, game state does kind of matter. If you go up to nothing, Brentford's going to be more aggressive and more attacking, but Fulham, through these first three matches, they've allowed the fourth fewest shot creating actions. They've allowed their opponents to get in the box only 36 times. That's top six in the premier league. And they've only allowed 16 shots inside their own penalty area. That's fourth in the premier league. So they've actually been really, really good. They've just allowed a few chances inside their six yard box. Plus it looks like Fulham is going to be perfectly fine playing without the ball, which is a question we had coming into the season with them just dominating the ball in the championship. I mean, they have the third most direct attacks, the highest direct speed and the fewest 10 plus pass sequences through the first three matches of anybody in the premier league. So they're going to be probably set up very defensive in this type of match. And, but I'm not sure that they're going to be able to really threaten Arsenal's defense, given how good it's been. So I only have 2.6 goals projected for this match. So you're getting under three goals uh plus plus one Oh five. I think it's a decent price. So I'm taking under three goals.
1: All right, uh, will flip to, to Sunday. Now uh, a little disagreement on this one, I think, and it should be fun. Villa plus 125 at home hosting West Ham plus 220 the draw plus 235 as a villa are starting to remind me a little bit of Everton from a couple seasons ago they're they're yeah. buying some big name players who don't necessarily all fit together and the result of that is sometimes you know things will click on the right day and it'll come off and and villa can can look great and other times it just looks like nobody's on the same page and I know Anthony is a huge Steven Gerrard guy because of his connections to Liverpool and he thinks that this guy is a a good manager but six wins four draws 10 losses in their last 20 Premier League matches and those six wins for, for Villa in that span twice against Everton Burnley Norwich Leeds, Brighton I don't know if this team is good and I think you're getting a pretty good price on 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 West Ham here on the road. I know it's talking about a team that, that might not be good. West Ham have, have been brutal to start the season. Zero wins, three losses. And the defense looks uh, particularly vulnerable. But is the Aston Villa offense the type that's going to take advantage of that? I don't think so. I, I like West Ham here as, as an underdog. At, uh, plus at 220. So that's where I'm going. David Moyes, he will stop the rot against Steven Gerrard. Anthony. What's the counterpoint here?
2: Well, I think the number for me is uh, it's come down a little bit now. So, you know, we're looking at like plus 120, 125. That's a, right around where I am, actually. And I bet Villa at plus 135. I think it may come back up. But if it does, I love Villa. If you can find a plus 130. Look, I understand the criticism, right? Like Villa hasn't been good the first three matches of the season. But let's go back to the beginning of the year and just kind of take my prior. I came into this higher on Villa than I than I was on West Ham. I maintain that through three games, as much as you think Villa may have underperformed, how do we not think West Ham's been worse? I mean, they had that fluke result against Nottingham Forest, fair. But the other two matches, they showed zero threat at City, which, you know, Newcastle was able to do a whole lot more damage at home than West Ham was. And I don't love those kind of apples to apples comparisons, but it is interesting. And then West Ham, you know, Offers zero threat against Brighton. So you have to downgrade them. So even if you're downgrading Villa and you're downgrading West Ham, it still gets me pretty similar to where I was on both teams at the end of the year, even if I've lowered them and thus I like Villa at home.
1: Yeah, and on the opposite, I think I like West Ham as a as a better team. And and,
2: and you're, you're absolutely buying low. I mean, yeah. sensitive to buy low, like you can't get lower. I mean, and, and like Denver. you said, like you,
1: they they didn't they didn't do anything against City. That was a stroll in the park, almost like a coronation game for City coming back after you know winning the title. They could have just like stood there in the two lines and, and clapped them out and onto the field. They could have collected their their tro- hoisted their trophy again at London Stadium and walked back off, and they could have handshake and said, "You guys went to nothing, and it'll be fine." But then, like you said, like they were very unlucky against Forrest on the road in, against a newly promoted team. And then we know Brighton is a really tricky team.
2: going down. Yeah, to West them, Ham doesn't have any goals, right? They haven't scored yet. They've had about three expected goals. Three, yeah. But remember, we have to go back to last year, too. And West Ham ran better than any team in the league, just about. Yeah, and I mean, in I don't a goal don't, with finishing. A, so in some ways, this kind of get, you know, if you if you just widen out the. Yeah, uh, not,
1: it's not even really about that, like the, the regression coming for them it's it's just more about that like I, I just think that when you look at the two teams and two managers it's i i like west ham better and i think that a lot of people overrate steven gerrard as a as a manager coming from he did a good job with rangers in a in a team in a league where you all you have to do is beat up on much worse opposition and, and beat uh celtic and and he did it
0: Iberian motherwell right like it's not it's not i think not there's like, a good west ham spot coming up it is. It's it's this midweek. Oh, and yeah. I, against talk, guess who? I have
2: I have that circled. So I do too. Uh, I think I may be betting them then. Because listen, we'll I see. Mean, we,
0: we all know we all know the West Ham has a really difficult sp- game against Viborg coming up on Thursday. One of our you know shout out to our bl- better collective owners. But um, they're on the road, right? They're on yeah yep. West Ham on the road in Denmark. So probably a hostile environment in at Viborg would be my guess.
1: But I mean, talking about West Ham, their schedule coming up: City and Arsenal. I think Arsenal then City for. Villa coming up next. So let's, if they do drop this, Steven Gerrard could be in a lot of trouble because they're not going to win those two games. I don't think so. Look good. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I mean, you, you don't think he'll, the pre- he, the pressure was on him before the Everton match when they, that was the second game of the season and people were already calling for him.
0: Uh, last 18 matches under Gerrard. Aston Villa's held their opponents under one expected goal, only five times. And they just bought Diego Carlos and he ruptured his ankle. So yep. or Achilles, excuse me. So if it continues to get worse, what do they do? And he's he's
1: fighting with Tyrone Mings, who he stripped yeah. to the captain. See, like this isn't this is a team it, the, it's not the as playing plan as was Leicester, to, but to bench Tyrone Mings and here. play
0: Diego Carlos.
1: Yeah. Now that's it, out the window. And I'm not saying West Ham is, is like a really strong team. They have plenty of warts, but I don't that's see a good way to put it. If it. Villa is a better team right now, uh, than West Ham, despite the fact that West Ham hasn't won or scored. That's where I'm at there. Um, Another 9 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. Wolves and Newcastle both sitting plus 170 on the money line. A true pick them here at the Molyneux in the black country. Uh, the draw plus 215, as you can imagine, pretty low total here. Two and a quarter kind of points me in the direction of the draw. Uh, Wolves kind of have Evertonitis as well can't score uh, one goal on they two can points. Hold possession though, Michael, they can, they, they can keep the
2: ball <laughs> and they can create some chances. I mean, yeah. I was impressed by wolves two points. I was going to say one goal for, a, to, for parts of the match
1: for the first half. They were good, right? Like for yeah. one,
2: one goal, 12 on shots, but like eight of them were like Ruben Neves, yeah. Ruben Nevesing. So
1: more, and like, they have some transfer stuff. Like uh, Neto is, is being linked to, to United. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Newcastle, of course, but our boy Alexander Ishak. I don't know if that's official
2: yet but it's, it looks like it's coming down the pipeline in the two matches that absolutely devastating I
0: know. the team
2: I bet on selling their best striker to a team I bet against this season that's uh that's not good th- we need to change this transfer window madness
1: Newcastle defensively has looked all right to start the season again and I don't know how much I'm going to trust it because I think the Eddie Howe philosophy will will end up turning this team into like a mediocre maybe above average defense rather than the one that's allowed 1.4 expected goals in the two matches that weren't against city so but either even so I think this is a, a, probably the best spot on the board to bet a draw so I'll go there with Wolves and Newcastle anything for you here BJ
0: yeah I'm gonna go both teams to score no at plus 105 I'm not gonna overreact like I already mentioned I'm not gonna overreact to Newcastle City match it just City scored in the sixth minute which forced Newcastle to come out and play more aggressive and things just got chaotic and that happens from time to time in the premier league but wolves i know we've talked about a lot of times historically one of the luckiest seasons defensively but i mean their compact defensive style kind of leads to that kind of overperformance but oh no these two and that's (laughs) not my point my point is that these two offenses are bad okay since the january transfer window newcastle 1.28 expected goals per match wolves 0.96 xg per match and you know these two played Towards the end of last season at St. James Park, it was a 1 0 win for Newcastle. Wolves created 0.3 expected goals despite holding 58% possession, which is what they've done against both Fulham and in their first match against Leeds. So they're having all this possession. Anthony mentioned on the first pod they have all this possession basically in their own final third, and then they're just trying to get it moving forward, and it's just not really working. So I don't really see why both teams have scored no should be sitting at plus 105. I highly doubt Eshack's going to get his medical in and be able to play by Sunday, but who knows? Maybe he will. But Newcastle, since the January transfer window, matches that both teams have failed to create at least one expected goal. 17 out of 20. 17 out of 20 matches, at least one team has failed to create one expected goal. The same stat for Wolves. 15 out of 20 matches since the January transfer window. So I'm taking both teams to score no at plus 105 because these two offenses are bad. I don't care what happened against City. These two offenses are bad. Defensively, they are both very seem to play a little bit more compact if the match doesn't get crazy. So both teams score no at plus 105, and this will probably end up
1: 3-2. Interested to see where this number goes too. I think people would want to back Newcastle. After after what they saw uh, against City and and the fact that they're uh, came if you want to buy
0: if you want to buy low spot in Liverpool they got Newcastle at home next week, yeah or the midweek yeah the midweek I saw they're they're under minus three hundred against them too it, it is a it is a good time to to remind
1: you dear listener that uh, we will be back on Monday morning uh, with a podcast previewing uh, the midweek matches in the Premier League etc uh, all right we'll wrap up the Premier League for this weekend eleven thirty a.m on Sunday. Nottingham Forest, 6-1 to one at home at the city ground, hosting Tottenham Hotspur, minus 230, Anthony's second favorite team, the draw plus 370. Uh, the Forest defense is looking like it could be an issue, 5.9 expected goals against, including 1.8 to a team that, that can't score in Everton. It does feel like if this is one of those games where Spurs can just win going away, I know that they, they prefer to play teams that are a little bit more uh, up for it in terms of pressing so that they can counterattack quickly, but... I wonder if we'll see a more rambunctious Forest team like they were against West Ham at home. And if that is the case, the doors open up here Spurs minus one and a half plus 125. Well, they got more
0: players, Michael. Yeah, I know. Um, are they, they, they going to are they gonna get up to 25, 30 players by the end hey, of the closes? I mean, closes? that's fun. Good for them. They just I mean, they, signed they, two today. They had a ton of, <laughs> they, they of loan players. Um, they're becoming Carter, a
2: Nottingham Forest. I saw somebody tweeted that today Nottingham Forest because they're signing Serge Aurier and they're yep. interested in Baffett Tangenga and they're probably going to try to make a move to eBay by the end like, of the window. They, they just <laughs> won't
0: stop.
1: Anthony, what are your thoughts here on Spurs? Minus 230 on the money
2: line. feel really boring. You know, I feel like I never bet Spurs matches anymore and it's really boring, but once again, I've gotten, I don't have a ton here. I mean, I think Spurs are a teeny bit overvalued, but again, I'm having a hard time power rating Nottingham forest. Like, yes, they got very lucky. They've relied on really, really, really good goalkeeping to this point in the season. I don't expect that to last, but I mean, Spurs haven't been that good either. Like you mentioned it. I understand wolves didn't create any chances, but the fact that wolves outshoot you 10 to one in the first half on home soil is still concerning, even if it kind of is the Conte style a little bit to, like, give you some bad shots. And then we're going to get a bunch of really good shots. And then, you know, we're going to control the match 1.5 to 0.8. And that was what the XG was against Wolves. But, like, better teams will take advantage of that. I think that's a problem. But Nottingham Forest is probably not the better teams. So, in this case, I'm I'm passing.
0: Yeah, 13 Of those 20 shots were from outside the box. So, and like like that's that's one of the things where, and that's a great, that's actually kind of a good larger point. And total is why we trust XG more than just total shots. Because, I mean, the average XG on a shot from outside the box is 0.03. So, one
2: of every, yeah, you get get 13
0: shots, you get what 0.4 XG? Like it's nothing. So, you know, that and that's a and, and and larger look, point on about goal goals, and, too.
2: and and Larice has been a plus goal a shot stopper every year of his career too. So you throw that I, in on I the don't, back yeah, end and it's like Nottingham, uh yeah, we'll give you shots from 20 yards, right. Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest most expectable is allowed of anybody in the Premier League so far. Five point yeah, nine. That
0: the, the defense is is and they exactly and, uh,
2: played a murderer's row of a right
1: and, and Yeah, our, outside of the Everton match. It's one of it's, our guys right, from, right.
2: Uh, one of our guys
0: from Mines, uh Nikite. He's injured for two months so he was the, yeah. one of their starters as well. So
1: yeah, I think now I, are they gonna I, do the more I think about it, I think the buy more buy more
2: players, BJ. Uh yeah
0: <laughs> yes. buy more they players? already have
2: four new center backs purchased. You just haven't read about that yet. I wonder yeah. if they're interested in, in, in Michael Keane maybe Yuri Mina. Roy yeah. Kent is coming into play for yeah. not even for
1: All right, uh, let's let's go to the Bundesliga now. Uh, our favorite bets in Germany. Anthony back on the Bach.
2: It's the it's the. I mean, look like I have had more fun betting matches. I've never had more fun betting soccer than these these freaking Gladbach Bayern matches. I want to do uh, an oral history of the last six matches between Bayern. And Gladbach because it is remarkable. I mean, Byron wins the Bundesliga every year going away. BJ bets on so Byron every year against Gladbach and he loses. And it's just beautiful because we just, you know, the-, the Bach for some reason, this fixture we get up for it. December 19th, 2019. Gladbach wins 2-1. Okay, Byron got us 2-1 in 2020, but it was it was an own goal at the end that swung it. It was a very competitive match. January 2021. Gladbach goes down 2-0, comes back to win 3-2. No fans were there at the time, but it was an incredible moment for Gladbach. They played again in May. This was the one. Bayern won 6-0. So look, there's like that potential. Like Bayern could just steamroll us. I had Gladbach in that match. I lost. But again, that was when Marco Rosa was on his way out and there was all kinds of turmoil. They played to open last Bundesliga season. It was 1-1, but Gladbach had over two and a half expected goals. The famous Joe Scali game, if you remember correctly, his first start for Gladbach. Was incredible. They played twice again last year. They played in the DFB Pokal. Gladbach was plus 500 at home. They beat them 5-0, and it was Bayern's full team. Then they played them in January. Gladbach was 7-1, to and they beat them 2-1. So they've now played seven times in the last three years. Gladbach has four wins. Bayern has two. They drew once. Now, where does that get us? This line opened 1.75, and I was like, eh, maybe I don't want to bet Gladbach. But It has now been steamed up to two and a quarter. And look, I know Gladbach have been really bad defensively. They have all kinds of issues, but this is still an attacking team that has talent to cause problems for Bayern. Huge team. And Bayern still conceded eight high turnovers and nine penalty box shots to Bochum last week. So there are still flaws in this Bayern team. As much as I love Musiala and Mane replacing kind of the Lewandowski production, I'm taking Gladbach plus two and a quarter. And yes, as is tradition, I will be sprinkling the money line. This is my Super Bowl. <laughs> Defolling.
1: Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. on Gladbach with you. It's six to one. Six to one. It's up to like eight. Eight nine to nine, one, nine. whatever it was. I, I can't even remember when I saw it earlier. And uh this Bayern train will be stopped at some point. And uh, but for me, I like Union Berlin plus 130 uh against Schalke on the road. Last year, uh Unyan was you know similar to mine's in terms of being a great defensive team, fourth in, in non-penalty spectacles against uh, and big chances allowed. This year, they're second uh, in terms of expected goals. So it looks like the defense is carrying over from season to season. And they shouldn't have trouble against a Schalke defense that bends but doesn't break. 2.35 expected goals allowed per game. For Schalke, who's who's been lucky not to be much further down the standings after a couple games. So I'll take Union, plus 130 on the road. BJ,
0: what about you? I'm going to go Werder Bremen. Draw no bad at minus 115. They pulled off... Maybe one of the craziest comebacks I've seen in a long time absurd. against Dortmund. It was absurd. They were down two 0 in the 89th minute, scored three goals to win three two. Just just crazy. They stuff. totally
2: dominated the match. By the they way. did. They I mean won. Dortmund. They should
0: have won the match to begin with. Dortmund up until the point that they scored in the first half had like one shot and 0.02 xg. Like it was crazy. They, they, they scored were two goals, goals on
2: five shots. It.
0: Exactly. Like they were very very dominant, and now they're taking on a Frankfurt team at home that you know, if, if, if I were to say a team has a, a Leicester feel outside of the Premier League, like Frankfurt is that right now because they won the Europa League, so they're going to be in the Champions Like The draw is obviously happening on Thursday. They might just check out of the Bundesliga and just say, you know what, similar to last season, like we're just going to focus on Europe. Like Who really cares about the Bundesliga right now? They've been bad through their first three matches. They got destroyed by Bayern. I mean, say what you will. I mean, it is Bayern. They draw Hertha Berlin 1-1 on the road, and then They draw Cologne last week and they create 0.4 XG for the entire match. So, I mean, last season, and for whatever reason, the market seems to love Frankfurt because they were even money favorite against Cologne last week. But, I mean, they were minus 7.3 expected goal differential, only 1.3 expected goals for in the wide-open Bundesliga and Werder Bremen, you know, minus 0. 0.7 expected goal differential for, through their first three matches. One thing to to look out for Werder Bremen, we might have to bet some unders on this going forward, Anthony. Uh, crazy. To, in their matches have featured 13 goals of five and a half expected.
2: They were the best defense game. in the two, Bundesliga just last year.
0: They were. That's right. And they're also the best offense, Anthony. 2.17 XG per match. I do think they're capable of, of of beating this Frankfurt team. I don't think this match should be priced right at a pick Um I have Bremen projected at plus 128, so... I like him drawing a bet at minus 115.
1: On to España now, BJ. Anything for you mm-hmm. here? La Liga. Oh, yeah.
0: I got a. I got a both team to score no bet for a bottom half the table fixture, which is, <laughs> seems to be my brand that's, now, which, I'm, which, I'm, Liga, fine with, which I'm fine with. That's um, the most La Liga bet you can. Yeah. So, Vallecano, Mallorca, both teams to score no, minus 125. Vallecano last season, they were good. I mean, they were good defensively. They were seventh in non-penalty spectacles allowed, fifth in shots per 90 allowed fifth in big scoring chances out. And they're actually the third best pressing team in La Liga by passes per defensive action, which is key against Mallorca who was second to last at playing through pressure. Mallorca was, I mean, they're really below average offense a season ago. They only averaged 0. 0.92 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're bottom half of the table and big scoring chances and box entries. But defensively, they were one of the unluckiest teams across Europe. They allowed 63 goals off of 48 expected last season. I mean, both clubs are set up as heavy counterattacking sides. I mean, they both last year had about double the amount of direct attacks compared to buildup attacks. They're both top five in direct speed per Opta. These two met towards the end of last season, too. Mallorca won 2-1 on the island, but there were just around two expected goals created. Only 20, only two expected goals off of 22 shots and 35 combined touches in the penalty area. Most importantly, the same stat I brought with you for Newcastle and Wolves last season matches where at least one team failed to create at least one expected goal for Viacano, 25 out of 38. For Mallorca, 25 out of 38. So both teams score no at minus 125. I have it projected at minus 169.
1: I like uh, my first bet on Bill Bao of the season. Feels good. They are a plus-105 road favorite against Cadiz, uh, who are one of the worst offensive teams in La Liga from last year. And they have zero goals on 1.3 expected goals through two matches this year. So and it's not like they were playing Barcelona and Real Madrid. They played Sociedad and Osasuna. I think Bilbao can probably handle that attack given their defensive prowess. So I'll take a shot on Los Leones at uh, plus 105, Anthony La Liga.
2: Yeah. Anytime you can bet an over, you got to do it in La Liga. That's what they always say to me. They've been Absolutely. Of course, fictional people that I invented, but I like the over in this match that you just mentioned. Uh, Cadiz, look, they're really bad offensively. I'm not going to pretend like they're a good attack. They're one of the worst last year and they've had a rough start this year, but they will score goals. At some point, and this total being two minus one fifteen to the over is just a little bit too low for me. Bill Bow continues to be a major goal positive regression at both ends of the pitch team that for some reason continues to play these crazy games that nobody can ever ki- actually kick it into the net with all these chances. And so I'm probably going to lose more money on these, I overs, it. but I, I love, I love the, I love it. Here. It's so great. It's just too low. It's, I mean, I know, I, I, I know, know it is. Two. I agree
0: with you. I have 2.3 goals projected. So I agree. So with at
2: you. two, I'm going to take the over I'm and sure. maybe if both teams to score two, but I'm not yeah. that crazy. Um, But we'll see.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Syria. Uh, I actually Anthony. haven't
2: seen the market for it for some reason, but
1: yeah. On to Italy for you, Anthony.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, first of all, it kind of the state of Syria as a whole, there has never been in the history of the league, I think, at least in the modern history of the league, this much of a one, everybody's broke. And two, the bottom is so bad that I think uh, I'm going to need to let the kind of the numbers settle a little bit on some of these teams before I go <laughs> betting on, you know, Creminesse and Monza and uh, Lecce and whatnot. So I'm kind of scaling back my volume a little bit in Italy to start the season. Of course, I love to bet Atalanta. I love to bet Torino with BJ every week, but uh, I will do it again this week. Yeah, I will be betting Roma because in the top five, six teams, there's one team that I'm selling really hard. They're called Juventus. And there's one team that I'm buying coming into this season, and they're they're called Roma. And through two match weeks now, Roma has not played anybody. They played Sauronitana. They played Cremonese plus 2.5 XG difference per 90. They have destroyed teams and not finished any chances, but Juventus has played two pretty mediocre sides in Sassuolo and Sampdoria, two teams who Sassuolo's case lost a ton from an overrated team last year. And in Sampdoria's case was damn near relegation. And in two matches against those two teams, Juventus has been outshot. I tweeted this after their tie with Sampdoria. They have also not conceded a goal despite Giving up enough chances to the point where they should have conceded one by now. So I think Roma is a great bet. They are uh, my best bet. I like them on the money line and plus a quarter. Uh, BJ, what
0: about you? Yeah, I know Anthony's afraid to bet the bottom of the table in Syria. I'm not. I love betting the bottom <laughs> of the table. So I'm going to go Lecce, draw no bet, minus 130 against Empoli. Empoli's in a little bit of crazy flux right now. So they've lost their best midfielder I the, do during this transfer coach. window, they lost their best defender the match against Fiorentina their best defender got a red card and their new manager who they just hired in June lost his mind and got a red card in the 90th minute or the 10th minute of stoppage time so I mean last season we've talked about them a couple times but I mean they were a minus 21.2 expected goal differential they allowed 1.79 expected goals for match which would have been the worst mark in Serie A if it wasn't for Venezia offensively I mean listen they do get a decent number of shots but they can't create anything of value. They were 17th in big scoring chances. And their two best XG per 90 minute strikers were loanees from last season, who are now back with their parent clubs. Leche, newly promoted club. Um, if you remember them during, I think it was during the pandemic. Yeah, yep. they were when they got relegated. Uh, I think they allowed the most expected goals of anybody during the expected goals era, 91 in, in 38 matches. But listen, they're back in Syria. and they were actually pretty good in the second division last year, plus point. 6-2 XG differential per 90 minutes. Their first two matches yeah, haven't been the best. They lost to Inter 2-1, gave up 2.5 expected goals, and they lost to Swallow on the road, but did hold them to 0.7 expected goals, only conceded 21 touches in their own penalty area. It's not bad. I'm taking them, drawing no a bet at minus 130, because I have them projected at plus 107, because I think this Empoli team is in mean, the Anthony match. Day. I mean, I don't know who really the worst team is in Serie A yet. I think we're going to find out here as we get toward towards the, the middle half of Yeah, but Empoli is definitely at least one of the three. League BJ? Yeah, you know, I mean, this feels good right now. It's finally my first true Marseille fade of the season. It feels it feels great. I'm over. They're playing. They're playing Nice. I mean, Nice is in a little bit of transition. You know, Galtier is has moved on to PSG, but now they have former Dortmund manager Lucien Favre. First three matches, they really haven't gotten what they deserved. I mean, uh, they were up. They drew two one against Toulouse. They won on won the expected goals battle. Then they. Are at home against us, against Strasbourg, they draw them one one. Win the expected goals battle. Then they lose to Clermont Foot last weekend. Won the expected goals to differentials. They're on a plus one expected goal differential through three matches, but don't have a win to show for it. Marseille is just doing what they always do: seven goals off of three point nine expected, three goals allowed off of five point one expected. I mean, it's just it's ne- it's similar to Lazio. It's just, it's never going to stop, but it does show that without Saliba defensively, if things continue the way they are, they're in deep. Deep trouble giving up 5.1 expected goals to Reams, Brest, and Knots is concerning because those were three bottom half offenses in league on last season. Here's the thing also about Marseille is they were the number one team and shots allowed per 90, progressive passes and dribbles allowed, box entries allowed, crosses allowed in the penalty area, but they were fifth in expected goals allowed because they allowed the 10th most big scoring chances. Nice offensively last season, they were top five in big scoring chances created. So and also Marseille, you know, on the road, plus fourteen actual goal differential, only a plus six expected goal differential. This has to stop. It's got to stop at some point. So I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be this weekend. Nice Strano bet at minus one fifteen.
2: Yeah, I'll be joining you. I'm over for one. Got to I tried fading Marseille. I took Reims plus one opening weekend, and uh, I think there was a there was definitely an own goal. There's no an goal. Think... Tw-
0: yeah, own goal. They scored four goals off of two point two expected. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just what they do. A lot
2: of it piled on late, too. Uh, you know, we get these vendettas against teams, and I think sometimes we get a little carried away, but this, you know, Marseille... Is when it example. keeps happening,
0: I... I, I listen, I you, people who have been listening to this podcast for a long time know that I don't get carried away very often, but, I mean, this is got It Feels like happen. a
2: once-a-week occurrence at this
0: point. That's the joke, Anthony. Thank you for letting <laughs> people know. All right, uh, now we get
1: to go to our favorite part of the program, our... Three team underdog moneyline parlay. I'm going to start because I got a doozy for us. 16 to one, Crystal Palace at Man City. <laughs> they won as 20 to one underdogs last season in this exact fixture. And then they drew City at Selhurst Park. When, by the way, City was in that crazy neck and neck title r- race with Liverpool, this Palace team continued its incredible form from last season. They carried it over, especially defensively. They have played against Arsenal. Liverpool and Aston Villa come away with a win, a draw and a loss and have one of the best defensive records through this early part of the season, they can hang with city. So I'll take 16 to one on crystal palace against basically any team on the planet. And you're seeing it here. Cause I take taking on the best team on the planet, man, city, the Eagles, Patrick Vieira's Eagles, 16 to one to get us started. Anthony, what about you?
2: Well, you know, I really wanted to do Gladbach here, but I'm going to be more reasonable. I'm going to take Roma plus two thirty. I just talked about it. I think Juventus is uh Teetering on the edge here, Vlahovic is going to have to carry what's otherwise a pretty mediocre ball progression and attacking unit. I do like adding Philip Kostic, but again, the result was eight shots against Sampdoria. So, uh, I think there's a bit of a hole in this Juve team. Roma looks like a ball progression machine right now, and, and Jose's second season magic maybe just starting. So, I'm going to be there for Roma. I think they're a the better team. Plus two thirty lock it up but I will also be betting Gladbach VJ, <laughs>
0: uh, what about you I'm gonna go with Almeria plus 250 at home against Sevilla I mean Sevilla is sure. gonna be a fade team early on for me this season just because I mean the negative aggression that they are due for by drastically overperforming last season but also just selling both your center backs in the same trance window is just gonna have a negative effect on your defense so how drastic I mean we'll find out as we go along here but they were much more dominant against Valladolid last Friday but I mean, they're going on the road against the Segunda División champs, Almeria. I mean, it's a tricky spot for them. I mean, Almeria, their team I kind of like that I think has some staying power in La Liga for a couple reasons. I mean, first, they were good last season in the second division, plus... 0.45 actually differential per 90. They have some talent on their squad. I mean, they got a good striker in Umar Sadiq. He scored 18 goals and 12 assists last season, scored against Elche this past weekend. You know, per transfermarket.com, I mean, their total squad transfer value is a little bit over 80 million, which is actually 14th in La Liga. That's actually pretty good for a newly promoted side. So, I mean, I only have Sevilla projected as just a slight favorite on the road. So uh, give me Almeria plus 250.
1: This three-team parlay. Thanks to Palace being in there is a huge long shot. 179 to one. I mean, I don't want to even do the math if you if you sprinkle in Gladbach there, but I'm sure you could retire on it. Uh, let's move on to our best bets in the Premier League this weekend. Anthony, you go first.
2: Fulham plus one and a half on the road at Arsenal. Fulham has shown an ability to play without the ball in their first three matches of the season. And I think it's mostly due to their upgraded midfield and the work rate that they've shown with Paulina and Pereira and D Cordova Reed really doing a nice job of keeping opponents out of their own penalty area, holding wolves, just seven shots uh, doing a pretty good job on Brentford controlling large parts of that match as well. I, I have to respect Arsenal and what they've done at this point in the season. I think the addition of Gabriel Jesus brings this team up a level but the market has brought them up a little bit too far at this point. And so at plus one and a half, I'm going to take the Cottagers at even money. I'm going with uh,
1: West Ham, plus 220 on the road against Aston Villa. Over their last 20 Premier League matches, Aston Villa, six wins, four draws, ten losses. Those wins came against twice against Everton, one against Brighton, then Leeds, Norwich, and Burnley. Those Two out of three teams have relegated, and then two teams uh, that were in the relegation battle until the very last couple games of uh, the season. West Ham, no wins, no goals on the year yet, uh, but we know that they're coming. Like, we know that this team can score. They're pretty good going forward, and while they do have their warts defensively, Aston Villa is not a robust offensive attack, so I don't think that they'll be able to take advantage of this leaky defense, and I think you're getting a pretty good number on a team that I think is better than Aston Villa. West Ham plus 220 on the road. BJ, closes out.
0: I'm going Manchester City Crystal Palace under three and a half goals at minus one twenty. Crystal Palace, a team that we've already talked about many times, that profiles really well as an underdog. You saw against Liverpool their ability to sit deep, defend, and look to counter. I mean, they only allowed one point seven expected goals off of twenty four shots against Liverpool, and only one big scoring chance as well in that entire match. Not to mention, like you, like you said, already said Michael earlier in the podcast, beat Manchester City as twenty to one underdogs at the Etihad, the drew them zero zero at Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace, a top five defense in pretty much every single category, including big scoring chances allowed only around 0.68 per match last season, which was third best in the Premier League. And also the Manchester City-Newcastle match that got chaotic and ended up 3-3. It's a good example of not overreacting to one match. I don't think City's going to suddenly just become this over team and this team that doesn't try to just control possession like they did last season when they were number one in the Premier League in terms of 10-plus pass sequences sequence time and had the lowest direct speed of anybody in the league so i only have 2.5 goals projected for this match so i like the under three and a half goals at minus 120
1: all right and that'll do it uh for this episode of wonder goal like i said earlier we will be back on the other side of the weekend to preview our first midweek fixtures of the season for bj cunningham and anthony i'm michael liebach best of luck with your bets this week